When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. This segment of the USCC Expo Experience on CannabisRadio.com is presented by Soterra Wellness, unlocking the natural health benefits of medical cannabis in order to help relieve symptoms and restore your health. Find wellness at Soterra.com, S-U-R-T-E-R-R-A.com. And Dom Life, a boutique lifestyle lounge unlike anything before. Located in Phoenix, Arizona, Dom Life, where paradise and cannabis meet. Learn more at D-O-M-M.life. Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the USCC Expo Experience, featuring one-on-one interviews with speakers, exhibitors, and attendees from the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. And now, the USCC Expo Experience, only on CannabisRadio.com. So on this installment of Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRadio.com, we're here at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Talking about cannabis or kryptonite, the Bill C-45, Bill C-45 in Canada, risks and opportunities for business in the United States and Canada. That's uh, a session that's being held here at the conference, and I'm here with one of the speakers, Alexander Nogman, who's a consultant with On AHN Point Consulting Services. Alexander, welcome to Cannabis Radio. It's great to be here. Thank you. Pleasure, SARS. So as we record this, we're less than two months away from Canada having the ability to purchase and consume cannabis for recreational purposes, it'll become legal. A very big day in Canada. And what can you tell me about uh, your involvement in this leading up to that date? 
Well, you know, first of all, it's a, it's a huge step forward for the cannabis community. The fact that uh, Canada is moving forward with recreational legalization, and I couldn't be more pleased um, for all the patients uh, of the world that they'll be able to service through export uh, the exportation market. Um, I personally uh, am very interested in Canada because of their progressive stance and as someone that invests in the cannabis markets and guides towards those towards investments in the cannabis markets, I think it is a prime market opportunity. Uh, they're light years ahead of the United States in terms of overall legalization and we're going on a state-to-state -state basis in the United States um, with still the threat of our own federal government intervening at any moment vis-a-vis. Uh, to be the rescission of the coal memo by Jeff Sessions. So when it comes to Canada, we've had over the summer, Cannabis Radio has been reporting about the fact of seeing over a billion dollars in acquisitions of different companies which way or the other merging with each other in preparation for this adult use legalization. Um, so we're not surprised that the companies are getting together and preparing. What about the consumer base? What are we hearing about that? Well, the fact is, is there is enormous worldwide demand. Um, there's an estimated $50 billion worldwide demand for cannabis at this moment. The United States illicit market is tagged at $50 billion as well. I believe that's slightly conservative. And um, again, it's, it's a huge step forward. Um, for the Canadian market and of course cannabis means business the product adoption life cycle is very much in its infancy we are in the mom and, and pop phase of the product adoption life cycle but yet with the limited amount of licensed producers or growers in Canada at this point we've already seen massive consolidation 40 uh, you know roughly 40 percent of all licensed producers in Canada at this point of which there's you know just over a hundred are controlled by three companies. Mm -hmm. So many mom and pops, but many big corporations starting in and trying to get a foothold. Not everybody wants to start a business from scratch. They want you to get up and running with an existing license, servicing a marketplace, and then they're gonna come in and take you over. And some of the fear is that the, that the product would be controlled by a very limited number. But Canada, I believe, is fostering an environment that will still allow the little guy to compete um, and give a, you know, broad access to their patients and to their citizens because I don't feel like it's a crime to ingest cannabis. Nobody's killing anybody with Absolutely cannabis. You, no one's stabbing anyone with a joint. And if they were, I would consider that a, that a crime. But smoking a cigarette, cannabis, or, or otherwise, I don't feel is a crime. If you want to restrict it that it can't be done in a bar or be done only in specific bars, I'm okay for that. But it's a civil right and a human right, I believe, to ingest cannabis. So some of you might know Alexander under the name, the pseudonym Alexander Cannabis. So I know you've, actually, when we talked before, I know you've been very quite outspoken. Uh, you make mention of that there's nothing safe or responsible prohibition. It's bad for America, socioeconomically. Um, obviously, you see where Canada does that right. Um, what do you think about the process of the full rollout of adult use of Canada? And if that can be done in the same sense here, or do you think the state-by-state -state process is working effectively? I feel that it absolutely has to be and should be done in the United States of America. Uh, Canada is kind of an interesting um, 
country, the, the fact is, is they don't really condone the use of cigarettes, um, but they are available. But unlike the United States of America, when you go into a convenience store and you see a wall of cigarettes, that's not how they run it in Canada. You can get them, you have to ask for them that are either underneath the counter or in the back room. When it comes to cannabis, they are restricting your ability to see it, to touch it, to smell it. It comes in like a, almost like a chewing tobacco can. And, the, you know, just like your cigarettes at the counter at the convenience store, you don't open up your cigarette package and expect your cigarettes. So what I will say about Canada is they're taking a major step forward for the citizens and making it not a crime to possess once you're of a certain age uh, and using, a, you know, responsible adult use. They are not condemning it, but they're not necessarily condoning it and endorsing it, but they're giving you your, your right to choose your own euphoric use or your own medication. I feel that as Americans, we've been restricted in this way. And again, I don't feel that it is a crime to be um, carrying cannabis, smoking cannabis, or, or uh, you know, eating cannabis or ingesting it in any other way. And I think that in the United States of America, we really need to examine what is a crime and we are spending in an exorbitant amount of money on incarcerating nonviolent plant-based offenders. This is a good point. And this is, I mean, I'm not looking to put any kind of a, I want to keep everything apolitical personally in any interview I do, but the idea that I see some politicians preferring to decriminalize as opposed to just outright, outright legalizing, why is there a hang up on that? Um, quite frankly, uh, some some politicians, uh, you know, have got a very conservative base that they've got older constituents and they feel that it's been advantageous um, to basically use uh, this issue uh, as a, a, a political uh, punching bag. And, you know, they've been abusing it in this way for quite some time. If you go back to the 1930s, it was reefer madness right. and it was, you know, they pinned it on the African Americans and the Latinos, and they used the bigoted, prejudiced society at the time to further exasperate the myth. And they said horrible things, the type of things that you can't possibly say now, uh, you know, that you would be uh, thrown out. They said that it, it made the, the, the black man, uh, you know, think that he was good enough to associate with the white women. And wow. that it threw the white women into a trance that made them fall for the African-Americans. And then, you know, it gave the excuse of the random pat down as this was this the great evil and you should be afraid. Mm -hmm. Not only should you be afraid of this, this product, you should be afraid of these people. And it was an us versus them mentality. Okay, right. and they said horrible things. They generalized about them. They called them the darkies. It was all fear-based. Wow. They, they, the jazz musicians, because look, a lot of them were Latino and African American. At this point, we have this this event back in the '30s created the random pat down, which I believe has spun into a social divide. So far and wide that I can't even see the bottom, let alone the other side. And we, at this point, have a 57% increased incarceration rate of African Americans and Latino Americans in this country, even though that minority group only makes up 13% of the population, and uh, we make up the rest of the 87%. Now, to understand that if you had two groups of equal numbers, uh, 10 million and 10 million, and you're trying to draw from two equal groups, that I 
I basically have a 60, I'm, I'm outweighing winning that, that lottery ticket, mm -hmm. so to, uh, of going to jail, by the way, right, 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 okay, right. by 60%, you'd be outpacing my group by a huge amount, even though we had equal numbers. But if you had a group of 13 million and a group of 87 million, and the group of 13 million was outpacing the 87 million by s mm -hmm. almost 60%, that would be like everybody be, those two groups being all NBA basketball players and the rest of us Caucasians could draw, jump five feet in the air. But the 13% of these special people, the minorities, yeah. they could jump 35 feet in the air. How, you know, how disproportionate does that seem now? Absolutely. And the fact is, is again, I think we need to examine what is a crime, and it's at a great cost to the American people economically while we're protecting these special interest groups, the big pharmas, the big tobaccos, the big alcohols, the, the paper people, the petroleum people, the plastics people, mm -hmm. to go back to the 30s again. Right, right. They, they, it was all an agenda, and they lied all along the way. And even our own government knows, vis-a-vis -vis 63050, Seven, okay, the patent, you know, for neuroprotectants and anti antioxidants and neuroprotectants, our own government holds the patent rights to the medicine, but then they'll proclaim in public that it has no medicinal value. It's actually akin to heroin. And we all know the truth. And it's, right. it's wrong, wrong, wrong on every level. But do you think, at least when it comes to the American voter, that are going to ultimately be able to make the right, just like the Canadian voters did, to allow legalization, haven't we already kind of, it's just right now, it's not to convince consumers, it's not to convince the American voter base, it's, to, it's whatever the politicians or the corporations that are holding back the opportunity for Canada to be legalized in adult use form throughout all the states, would you say? Yeah, and I think it uh, continues to be about special interest, who's controlling the politicians, Absolutely. who's paying off the politicians, and, and basically they have a vested interest to keep it illegal, these groups, and they lobby and they push to do so. I think the word is getting out that the fact is, is that the product is medicine, it isn't bad for you, it's a more sensible and responsible choice in terms of non-toxic euphoria. You know, plain and simply, cannabis does not shut off the receptors in your brain right. that affect your heart and lungs, that's why you don't die from it you cannot say that about alcohol you cannot say that that about prescription pills and these kids and many people are taking prescription pills recreationally right. that is not healthy that is not responsible and these pills have a very deep hook in them once you're on them it's hard to get off of them and they ruin lives there are better alternatives. This is not a psychologically addicting product, let alone a physically addicting product, yeah. and it cannot kill you. And I don't, you know, at this point, you know, what's the crime, what's the problem? There's we proven all know research, the there's no question why this should be kind of a hang up, but there is. But hopefully, you know, with your help and others, you know, that cause can finally come to light and people can actually see it. And it has to be to the point where whoever's holding this back, from full legalization, adult use, 
it's going to be succumbed. They're just the pressure will be too much to bear. They're just going to have to give in. It will be like prohibition back in the 30s. It will be repealed again as well. Absolutely. And the fact is, is I believe that people are becoming one issue voters, and this issue touches so many topics. Yes. And at the same time, you're seeing landslide victories right. from politicians that are endorsing the product. I believe the next government governor for the state of Florida will be uh, Andrew Gillum. And the fact is, is that he's endorsing uh, full-blown uh, responsible adult, adult use legalization. Up in Canada, we had, you know, Justin Trudeau, and he ran on an openly uh, cannabis-friendly platform, and now he's the prime minister. Yes. Uh, Jesse Ventura in Minnesota, yeah. cannabis-friendly, became the governor. Uh, in New Jersey, you know, Chris Christie got his ass kicked because his competitor, Phil Davis, in endorsed uh, cannabis legalization right. and a full-blown and valid and uh, really accessible medical market and expanded it's taking medical a while, market. But, but I'll tell you one thing, this is very indicative. So in the state of Florida, obviously, we're just coming up to the primaries uh, as we record. And who will be the next governor of Florida? What's interesting of, of all Republican or Democratic or independent candidates, I've only seen one person propose legalization for the state of Florida. That tells you the word has to get out better and stronger. So, Alex, first of all, I want to go and wrap things up with how people can learn about what you do, what kind of consulting do you do, which kind of people do you work with, companies? Yes. Well, thank you, you know, for having me, first of all. Absolutely. Easily to find me on the net at any time. If you use Google, you just Google Alexander Cannabis, and I will come up certainly number one, probably most likely six or eight out of the top ten, along with some video and audio clips that sure. I've done throughout the years. Um, I do consulting in the industry. I originally came from a Wall Street standpoint, yes. but because I got a true education by getting involved with this this industry and met a lot of, uh, you know, mothers of sick children and sick children and patients and veterans groups and disabled people um, my my heartstrings are pulled by this industry and I, I simply have come to help and that's why I write and that's why I speak and that's why I look to fund a safe and responsible industry that includes things such as laboratory testing um, sing, things such as seed to sale software so that we can snuff out the black market uh, responsible adult use um, you know uh, age verification yeah um, and just proper, you know, checks and balances and standard operating procedures that make it healthier and safer for everyone. So one other question I want to finish up with. Being in your experience with Wall Street, what do you think of the idea of how there have been some starts? I don't know how much impact this made, but the seed, the seed to sell exchanges, the, uh, the cannabis exchanges that are out there. Can we ever see anything like that someday where your peers in the stock market might get to go ahead and trade on cannabis just like they would frozen orange juice? Yeah, I believe that eventually it goes the way of a commoditized product because yeah. I believe that it, the market gets so big that there'll be bulk trading in, in raw product yeah. um, and that there'll be strains and, you know, uh, just like a, a variety of oranges may, may be more expensive than, than an X, mm -hmm. certain strains will be go uh, at a premium price based on their percentages and their certificates 
certificate of analysis, yeah. okay, which I can endorse, but also based on their demand. And you know, some products make you peppy, and some products make you sleepy, and you know, some products are just mid-grade medicine. But the, and they're not the most expensive. They're not the most elaborate. They won't get you the highest. But by the way, they work to stop your child's seizure. They work to regulate your blood sugar. They work to relieve uh, you know pressure on your brain and your body. They're perfectly good medicine. And this is, should be the most prevalent of opportunities True. and not, not suppressed. Uh, the fact is, is that I do believe that it will become eventually a commoditized product. Mm -hmm. That'll allow the government to kind of maintain and maintenance the environment yeah. and make that medicine accessible in which we completely snuff out the black market. Because I've got to tell you, and we mentioned it at the beginning, there's nothing in safe or responsible about the prohibited market. And the story I like to tell is sometimes a child shows up at a drug deal and he brings money and the other kid brings guns. And sometimes the child lose more, more than his life. And if you want to be responsible, you'll have the child go into a, a store where he is carded and he is, you know, criticized on whether or not he's a patient right. uh, and, and should have access to this product. I don't think it's wrong for anyone. I believe that, quite frankly, I truly believe myself that if we did an 18-year-old legalization bill rather than 21 like it is for alcohol, I think you can see single-handedly almost reverse the course of American history in which I believe alcohol consumption is an epidemic. And one-third of all traffic uh, fatalities are, are alcohol-related. Right. And I believe that right. cannabis affects you a lot differently and is a much safer alternative that that we need to open up these markets and not prohibit it. And we treat this product like no other. If you, Wendy's wanted to open up across the street from McDonald's, they could do it. But open up an all natural herb shop and all of a sudden you're a felon. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a lot, of, quite a bit of a road to go. We were seeing some inroads, but like I said, I guess uh, it's just not as easy as it is maybe, maybe how Canada has it done and how they've been only gonna progress so quickly. So now. It's a great test market. I think what's gonna what people are gonna be looking at, they're gonna be looking intensively at Canada over the next year, five years, to see what works, what doesn't work, and see if United States will fall in line after that. Yes. We'll see. And if, if Canadian productivity drops all of a sudden by 50%, oh. maybe we'll say it's not a good thing. But vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, you know, the Richard Bransons of the year, the world and the yeah. Willie Nelsons of the world, I, I think that highly intelligent people utilize this product on a regular basis mm -hmm. and are extraordinarily productive and probably lead happier, healthier lives overall because of it. All right. Well, anyway, Alexander Notman or Alexander Cannabis from On Point Consulting. Thank you so much for joining us here on Cannabis Radio. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the USCC Expo Experience only on CannabisRadio.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.